0: Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you, Julie, Jason, Jake, and thank you for being here. uh, I'm grateful to be here this morning. If you have your Bibles, I hope you have them open to the book of Ephesians. But I'm going to invite you to turn to 2 Peter for just a moment. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, breaking in verse 10, we find these words. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to conform your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you'll never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. I want to key on that verse there. Therefore, I intend... Always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by the way of reminder, since I know that putting off my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give me the strength uh, and spirit that is only possible through the Holy Spirit to proclaim and lift high and to exalt the name of Jesus, our hope, our salvation, and the only thing, Lord, that we really need to be reminded of this morning I'm grateful that you, God, have given us a way to, to see this in your word. I'm thankful for your son, Jesus, who provided it. And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit has helped us believe. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think one of the greatest joys of any parent or any coach, or most certainly it's one of the, one of the most important tasks of, of a person proclaiming the word of God is to remind someone it's it's one of the greatest jobs i was speaking with someone this week a younger person and they kind of had this this thought process well I, i i just it seems like i'm always reminding my kids to do this and i said you know the truth is that is the job of a parent to always be reminding and we've recently got back into basketball season and and I've watched coaching a little bit, and I've watched some coaches from the sideline, and they seem to be always reminding someone of the fundamentals. Even though they know them, they still have to be reminded. And I think that's true for those that preach the gospel as well. One of the, most great, one of the greatest truths is the communication of the gospel to those who may have never heard, and I think that's crucial, and it's so important But I think equally as important is what we do here every Sunday. To be reminded of the truth that we know, to be stirred up in what we know so we can mature in our faith. So I say all of that, that today is, by way, a review. If you were with us this fall, you know that we were working through the book of Ephesians. So now I invite you to turn to the book of Ephesians. And I just simply have some words of review this morning. The review of this book. Let me say we live in a time and in a world that no matter how intentional we may be to protect ourselves from it, we are bombarded with all types of information. There's all kinds of narratives that are being played out for us. And the truth is, everyone is selling us their version of the truth whatever that may be. I believe what we need to hear and hear again and even may I say, dare say, hear again are the truths of Scripture. That's the narrative that we need to hear. We need to be reminded now as much as ever those statements of thus saith the Lord. We've always been needed to hear thus saith the Lord. But if I could be a little frank this morning, and I'm going to make an indictment, and I don't mean to, to, to make a comment in some despairing way, but I, I'm, I'm concerned. I pray that it would be unfounded, but I'm concerned that in many pulpits they are not filled with men who are saying, thus saith the Lord. I think in our day and age, no matter how much they want to say that, no matter how good their intentions, that people are fickle and the times are so volatile and the fear of man is so great that it's just easier to give you three good points for a happy whatever. But brothers and sisters, we don't need someone to tickle our ears. I don't want someone to tickle my ears. I want to hear the truth of God's word and I want to see how it should impact my life and change my life and keep me heaven bound. That's what I'm hoping. I truly believe that the letter of Ephesians is as important now as any time. I think it's just important today in 2021 as it was when Paul penned these letters in in a prison in Rome. The outline of this message will be simple. So if you have your Bibles, keep them open, and we're going to begin in verse. Cha- I mean in chapter 1. I want to encourage you to be a Berean. Whenever someone gets in a pulpit, I want to encourage you to search the Scriptures. Make sure what they are saying lines up with the Scripture. And pray and pray for that person. And ask the Lord to enlighten and 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 to, if you will, reveal the truth of Scripture in your own heart. So if you would allow us, our time together would be like iron sharpening iron. So let me give you a quick outline of today's message. Chapter 1, God. Chapter 2, salvation by grace through faith. Chapter 3, the blessing and the mystery of the gospel. And our conclusion today will be in the beginning of chapter one or Chapter Four. This is all review. This is the reason is I could just go back and review some of my notes and preach it, but maybe I could deliver it in just a little bit of a different way this morning. First point: God. If you have your Bibles, look with me in verse three of Chapter One. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved brother could you bring down the the speakers just a little bit I'm sick of hearing myself. I don't know about you. <laughs> All right, I just, uh, I, I pity you to hear me. So the very first point is simply God. God is the first point. The glory of God in this chapter, the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the grandeur of God, it is here in this chapter. In the very first chapter And it's probably the point that we all need to come in and understand this morning on this snowy, cold January day. Whatever's in your mind, here's the point. There is a God and He's indescribable. He's glorious and He's wonderful. Whatever's consuming your thoughts, think about God. God is essential for every believer to follow Christ. But you see, I have a problem Sometimes I tend to look at myself rather than God. And let me just go ahead and confess something else. I'm positive no one else has this problem. But far too much of the time, I'm preoccupied with myself. I'm consumed with everything about me. I know I'm the only one, right? Yeah, in some African-American churches, they would say, come on, help him now, Lord, help him. Don't let me stand up here and be the only sinner in the house. You see, our forefathers were consumed, and the scriptures are written with people that were consumed and delighted about God. St. Louis Crossing, if I could urge us, if I could implore us, if I could beg us to do something this morning, it's start to be consumed about God all the other things that we think about, Tim Dillingham, all the other things that you think about are insignificant when compared to the indescribable God. Maybe I point out something. Maybe it's true in your life. Maybe it's only true in my life. But my focus, my conversations, my hopes, even the temptations of despair are all seemingly focused on me. I don't need to go through each point, but what I'm talking about is this. If someone just asked you a question and you really had to answer it, as my mom used to say, if you had to answer the question as if Jesus himself were standing here, what would you say? Well, that's the silliest thing in the world because you know what? Jesus is here. (laughs) It's not like he's not here. So that's how we should always, but I digress. So I ask you the question. And if this is only going to be as good for you as you will participate in this, what are you consumed with this morning? I thought about having you take a pen and a piece of paper and just write it down. I'm consumed with, and I have a list. I have a list. God's not at the top. I'm I'm confessing to you this morning. As a sinner, saved by grace, he struggles to get at the top. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that in this little epistle, we are seeing that God is in control, period. Does anyone else here today need to be reminded of that truth? Brothers and sisters, God is in control, period. God controls everything. God's in charge of everything. God makes everything happen. There's a definition. It says this: God, by definition, is the supreme, the infinite, the eternal being, the creator, who necessarily exercises absolute sovereignty over the whole creation. This is the meaning. This is the meaning of the term God. <laughs> technology that's you got to love it oh my lord i am so so sorry this didn't work out so great maybe i need to go back to to regular notes i apologize well i can't even get off of it Well, there is talk about technical difficulty. There's probably a reason, Jake, I haven't preached in a long time. Hmm. Somebody pray for me. you know god has a way of humbling you so here we go thank you the meaning of the term god if we speak is in lesser terms and if we speak of god in lesser terms we speak we're not speaking of god it's a figment of our imagination luther said so in the first chapter we see the grandeur and the glory of god god the father sovereignly planned our salvation God the Son lovingly executed the plan. God the Holy Spirit graciously opening the blind eyes and in our deaf ears applying the good news of the gospel to the heart and souls of those of us that are dead in our sins and trespasses. Brothers and sisters, there would never be salvation if God hadn't planned it, thought of it. It's all of God's purpose. It's all by his own will. When we think of being followers of Christ, when we think of Christianity, it's thinking about God. The first point that I want to remind us of this morning is God. So here's the question. Here's the question for me. I really weren't through this. I have to just stop here and just take a little bit of a moment. I struggled with this message. I, I, I was going to preach something else in Ephesians chapter 4 this week. And I literally, literally, literally labored and labored. And finally one morning, I just, I felt impressed. I, I, I believe maybe by the Spirit's leading that I needed just to review the first three chapters of Ephesians. And so this is where this message comes. And maybe it's, maybe it's just what happens when you speak or preach. Sometimes the message is just for you. And so if you would allow me, I'm just walking through what Tim needed and the truth is I recognize that my life needs to be more saturated with God. Maybe your life does. Let me tell you how I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to be very diligent about spending time in his word. Kim and I had this conversation on the way to church this morning. And it just seems like there's everything in the world that wants to get in the way. If you, just, if you just say, I'm going to read my Bible just for five minutes or three minutes or ten minutes or 45 minutes, you have to fight for it. But what, I, what I'm saying to you this morning is, as I've been doing that now for a, once again being very diligent in that, God seems to be just revealing himself to me in ways that are new and afresh. Also by meditating on it throughout the day. In other words, chasing off those things that are in our head and that wants to consume us by meditating on the very things that God has laid on your hearts. This week I had a text exchange with a brother. And it was a kind of a lighthearted text and, and then I kind of replied and it was about current events and I made my typical snide remarks and we moved on and and then the very I think it was the very next day if I got my days right I was in Psalm 19 the psalm that you read as our call to worship and all of a sudden I realized that my thoughts in that day were consumed about something else the current events if we don't need to talk about those right but it seems like we're consumed with them And what I realized was what really I needed to meditate on was what Jason read in Psalms 19. Go back and read it. It's profitable for us. The very first point is God. The very second, or the second point is salvation. If you look in verse 7, it says, In Him, that's meaning Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. If you flip over with me, be there, get into your word, look in your Bibles, look right here in Ephesians chapter 2. Here's what Paul says. And you were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We're being reminded every day of some issue or something in our life that's not complete. I get tickled now, I watch it, I'll talk to Kim or somebody at work about something and I pull up Instagram and all of a sudden there's somebody reminding me of something in my life that's just not what it should be. But if I just clicked on this, my life would be great. Or if I just did this, life would be so much better. You can turn on the TV or listen to the radio, we're reminded of, of, of some issue that our life is just not complete. We're reminded of that every moment. I'd like to ask you this morning, there's an item in your life that you think, if my life just had this, it would be complete. If my life could just change this problem, my life would be better. If I could just get over this, dear friends, if I could point is to chapter 2 I would remind us that there's really only one problem that we all should be concerning ourselves with it's this being dead in our sins and trespasses being dead in our sins and trespasses that is a life who's not trusting and following Jesus You can do everything you want to try to jumpstart your life. You can do everything you want to energize the life you have. You can do everything you want to breathe life into whatever you think that you need, but it will not work. You may be saying, well, Tim, that's such horrible news. It is horrible news. And thank God the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle, wrote about this horrible news. He is telling you your diagnosis. He's telling you right up front, here's the horrible news. Without Christ, you're dead in your sins. But you know whenever there is a problem, there is a solution. And that's what this church is about. That's what gospel-believing, preaching churches are about. That's what witnesses of Christ are about when they're out in the highways and the byways. They're out telling about the solution. Well, what is the solution to being dead in the trespasses, in my sins and trespasses? What is the solution to our greatest need, sin? The reason we need to hear about that here in this church is not to make us feel bad. It's to make us and to give us hope. Look with me in Verses 4 through 7. Just listen to these words. But God, first point of our message, being rich in mercy because of His great love which hith, which, with which He loved us. Did you hear that? God, being rich in mercy with great love, even when we were dead in our sins and, or in our trespasses, notice these next few words. He made us alive together with Christ. Then it says by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show you the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God has made us alive. Here's something that we need to be reminded of often. I'm glad you came here today today. Because here is what I came here to tell you. I came here to tell you this God loves you. Did you hear me? Does anybody need to hear that this morning? God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you in spite of you. God loves you unconditionally. How do we know that God loves you? How do we know that God loves us? We know that by looking at Calvary. God's love is shown to us by the sending and the dying and the raising of Jesus Christ. God's love is shown to us in Jesus Christ. Why do we sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus? The reason we say that is because when we look at Jesus, it's for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, so that none should perish, but that those who believe would have everlasting life. Isn't that worthy of an amen? God loves you. In a world that says nothing is good, in a world that says everyone is to be villainized, In a world that's skeptical of everything, we need to be reminded this morning that we have reconciliation with God and peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. We need to be reminded this morning that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. So post that on Instagram. So tweet that on Twitter. So post that on Parlor. So put that on Facebook. So tell CNN to put that on the news. So tell MSNBC to shout that from the mountaintops. Tell Fox News to run that story, that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the life, and that Jesus is the truth. Can you tell? I'm a little excited. Let's go a little farther. Verses 8 and following. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved by grace. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing you can do to be saved. There's nothing you can do to earn it. That problem that we have, that problem that needs a solution so bad, that one that's so great, the solution is you can't do anything about it. But through faith, God allows us and gives us the faith to believe in Jesus Christ who solves our problems. Our faith doesn't save us Jesus saves. There's a song, isn't it not right, Sister Julie? Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Why am I making this point? Why does Paul make this point? So no one can boast. Finally, the third point. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to continue to look with me. We're right here in the Word of God, chapter 3, verse 7. Of this gospel, in other words, of this good news, Of this hope, of the solution that I've been talking to you about, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power to me. Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unless you're a Jew this morning of the lineage of Abraham... And to my knowledge, we only have one Jewish person in the house. That's all of us. Everybody in this room. This is the news. that Paul said, I came to give you this good news to the Gentiles. This was, this was earth shattering. This was a paradigm shift. To bring life for everyone who is the plan. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for us? Hidden for ages in God and created all things. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be known, be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that He has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. Beloved, I'm here to remind you that in chapter three, if you go home and read it. Here's the takeaway. God had a plan. God revealed the plan in His Son, Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, God still has got a plan. God still has a plan. His plan's not, never, never changed. He's, he's not on plan B. God's always had an A plan. It's always been His plan. You see, the point is, this book is about God. This is His story. This is His message. And this is His plan. And isn't it good that He's made it known to every tongue, tribe, and nation? That's good news, right? You want to talk about equality? The gospel is equality. You want to talk about diversity? The gospel brings diversity. That's what we need to be reminded of this morning. We need to be reminded what a blessing it is to know that has been revealed in His infallible and inerrant word. We need to be reminded this morning of the great purpose of this world is Jesus. I don't know if you've been following along the daily readings in Genesis, but if you have, you've you've noticed that God created the world, and then Noah, and and now we're to Abraham. Do you you know it was all part of His plan? God's unfolding His plan. And His plan came and culminated in in His Son, Jesus Christ. And there He came to die for for your sin, because you and I were dead in our sins and trespasses. And he says, for those of you who believe, you have new life in Christ. And then he says, I'm coming again. I have a plan. I'm going to come back. That's good news. We need to be reminded that the point of our lives is to live for the glory of God alone. The third point is, the mystery is no longer a mystery. It's right there in front of our eyes. God's revealed it in his son, Jesus Christ. So I'd like to try to land the plane today. You say, okay, so what? Some of you, somebody here is saying, so what? So what? You're up there, Tim, you kind of flared in your arms like you usually do, and you got loud, and you stomped, and got a little excited. So what? Why? Well, let me tell you why. The transition in the letter of Ephesians is chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1 Paul says, I therefore, so therefore, what's he saying? Therefore, because God is God, therefore, because God is sovereign, therefore, because you have been saved, therefore, because the mystery has been revealed to you, St. Louis Crossing, therefore, St. Louis Crossing, brothers and sisters, because of grace, therefore, because of this grace through faith in Christ, What are you to do? And I think this was the last message I preached here. He said, therefore, I urge you to walk or live in a manner worthy of this good news. Oh, dear Jesus. That was my prayer several times over the last couple of weeks. Dear Jesus, I I haven't been, or here's where I didn't, and Here's where I should have, and therefore, Tim, you need to go to the world and show them by living this good news. How? 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 How can I do that? How can I do that in an elementary school or a factory or driving a truck or practicing law or in a courthouse? Or How can I do that? in industry? How can I do that as a business owner? How can I do that as a retired grandmother? How can I do that as a student at Hauser High School? How can I do that as a cheerleader at Columbus East High School? How can I do that? You can do it with humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with each other in love, eager to maintain the unity Of the spirit and the bond of peace. I don't know about you, but I think my life needs a little humility. I need some, I need to see a few people with a little bit of gentleness. I need to practice gentleness. I need people to be patient with me, and I need to learn to be patient with people. I don't know. I I get kind of sick of what I'm hearing. But let me just tell you something. It's in the church where the world's going to see what true love really means. I want to say something about our church leadership. The past several months have been difficult. These men have prayed and struggled and wrestled and talked about what's right to do as a church, what's what's good for everybody. And I just wanna say that I'm glad I went through the last couple of months. Because I witnessed people trying to be humble, and failing sometimes. I witnessed trying to have conversations that were laced with gentleness, and it not being sometimes. I witnessed trying to be patient, and sometimes people not being patient. You get the point. But I also have had enough conversations that they really, really, really tried to be unified at the end of the day in the Spirit with a bond of peace. Now, I don't have to say what I just said, but I'm just saying what the Lord spoke to my heart about this week. I watched the church be the church over the last couple of months. May or may not have been how I wished I would have been. What I'm trying to say, what am I trying to say? Outside these walls, there's a world that needs a little bit of this. There's some families that need a little bit of this. There's some workplaces that need a little bit of this or a whole lot of this. You see, I, I love to preach and I love the scriptures because they come alive. So... I said I was going to land the plane and here it comes. We have had a circle around the flight platter and was full for a minute. That's a joke. Um, let me encourage you. Let's turn off our TVs for a moment. Let's put down our phones more often. Let's get off social media a day or two more because they are entangling us They're tripping us up. They're messing with your minds. Let's start turning our eyes on Jesus. You see, it's in him we have hope. It's in him we have life. Brothers and sisters, if you watched an ounce of news, listen to what I'm saying to you. This church has this resource here because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In him, we have hope. In him, we have life. In him, we have freedom. In him, we have eternity. In him, we have help. In him, we have comfort. So let us set our gaze on the cross. Let us set our hope on the celestial city. If we're going to march anywhere, let it be to Zion. Let us recommit this day to our Lord and Savior. Let us live Luke 9. If you don't know what it says, it says, if, you, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him take up his cross and follow after me. I pray that prayer almost daily. Here's how I pray it. Lord, let me deny myself of my agenda today so I can die to myself. Therefore, I can be devoted to you. Let us pray that prayer. Let us be more concerned with fields that are white until harvest and the few laborers that are in the field, and let us pray earnestly that our conversations are more about Jesus than anything else. Did anybody set their alarm to 1002? Don't raise your hand. But if not, why not? Brother Sean stood up here and said, set your alarm to 1002. Who cares if it goes off in the middle of a classroom or at work or in a meeting? Just quickly. And Kim and I had that conversation on the way to Church this morning puts my mind on the harvest, puts my mind on the person that needs to hear that gospel conversation. Let us resolve in the depths of our souls 5589. 5589. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. That brother David said, Let us be reminded that his ways are higher than our ways. Let us rejoice, there is coming an inauguration of the true king of kings and the true Lord of lords, his name is Jesus. Let us warm, be, let our hearts be warmed that there is a king and he's coming soon, very soon. Father, through technical difficulties and me stammering and struggling, I pray that the gospel has clearly been identified. I I don't know if this moment there is someone sitting here or watching by Zoom that has never really put their faith and trust in your son Jesus Christ. Realizing that the only thing that can save them is Jesus. What a great morning this would be on this cold and snowy January morning to come home, to come to you, to repent of their sin and refocus and realign their lives on You. Father, for some of us, we need to be reminded of so many other things. There's some of us today that need to really repent and to use a, Father, to use a word we used to, we, we need to stop backsliding and come forward and get our lives right with You. And it may be this moment. Lord, let us get excited about heaven Let everything in this world grow dim other than that journey marching to Zion. I'm grateful for Jesus. I pray you'd have your way. It's in your name I pray.